Welcome to Every Little Voice, a podcast about community music in the city of Toronto. Produced by all of us at the Regent Park School of Music. I'm Richard Marcella, the Executive Director at the school. And on the podcast today, part of our monthly series, RPSM Talks, as hosted by Thompson Egbo Egbo. So this is live. It's a live panel held on the last Thursday of every month. If you want to be part of these discussions featuring prominent leaders in Canada's music industry, they're free and open to anybody to check out. Just go to rpmusic.org slash events to RSVP for the next one. So here it comes now, another RPSM Talks, as featured on the Every Little Voice podcast. Take care. Things of love and of fear Gonna let my truth shine Don't even care who hears Don't even care who hears From the Regent Park School of Music in the city of Toronto I'm your host Richard Marcella and this is Every Little Voice and our socially distanced Season 3 a podcast about community music And if your little voice and my Well, hello, hello, hello. Um, welcome, everybody. This is RPSM Talks brought to you by Regent Park School of Music. RPSM is a music school providing music lessons to both the Regent Park and Jane and Finch communities for over 20 years by removing financial obstacles. Learn more about the school. Uh, please visit www.rpmusic.org. I'm Thompson Egbo Egbo. I'm your host uh, this evening, and I've been a part of the school's journey from uh, from the very beginning in many different iterations. And today, my new job is as host of uh, RPSM Talk. So I'm glad to be here with you. Just a few housekeeping rules: um, keep yourself on mute unless invited to unmute. Uh, if you have a question, please put it in the chat. Uh, and our panelists, please feel free to answer any questions if you feel it is pertinent to the conversation. Otherwise, Charlotte will be logging questions for our Q&A session closer to the end. Uh, please respect our virtual school space uh, by keeping the content discussed here and in the chat classroom school friendly. Wonderful. So today we are chatting about uh, who's on your team, the topic of today's uh, um, chat. and. It is my pleasure really to kind of just go down this journey with uh, with everyone. Uh, we've got a couple of different panelists today. We're actually going to try something different this talk, and we're, we're going to have a sort of an interview style with a what I would call an, an advisor or mentor, if you will. And uh, I'm going to introduce a friend of mine, Chris Taylor, who is the... I'll have to ask him if he's still president and CEO of uh, E1. I feel like Hasbro is now a part of that title as well. Um, Chris, how's it going? Hi, Thompson. Yeah, good to see you. Doing good. Great, great. Uh, it's global president. Global uh, president. I knew, I knew it because I used to, was it CEO at one point? Uh, no, not, not in this incarnation. No. Okay. Just, just well, global president for now. 
Great. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. a smaller title, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, Chris, thanks so much for having us. Um, I'm super excited to chat with you for a number of reasons. One, just because um, you're one of the coolest people I know, um, but you've also occupied uh, a number of different roles in the music industry. And so as somebody who has been on different sides of, um, of uh, the coin, and so you've spent time, a lot of people don't know as, as an artist as well. And obviously the, um, through your through your law practice and so for for me it's kind of now really great to start this conversation you know the plan of this talk uh, for the students is really just to kind of demystify what's going on with the music industry and where i wouldn't even say necessarily what is the starting point but where are um some of the ingredients so if we're going to be like cooking a meal there's some you know, ingredients you kind of need, um, give or take in, in each meal uh, to kind of get you started. And then, you know, those are your baselines. And so we're going to explore that together. And I'm happy to kind of just do it uh, with you. And I'm going to use you as our sounding board to get the advice. So today we've got um, we've got a manager, uh, we've got an agent, we've got a lawyer. And so what I'm probably going to do is first, we're going to speak to our manager, who's Matt Ma. But from you, I'm going to just kind of get an idea of, you know, if you're advising, um, you know, one of the students or someone young in new in their career and wanting to kind of get out there and they're deciding, hey, you know what? I think I need a manager. What are some of the things um, you would tell them to look for, ask about, really want to understand about uh, that role? Yeah, I, I mean, I tell artists all the time, you know, Aim, aim, why not try for the greatest manager in the world? And I, I use this with, you know, probably all the roles we're going to talk about today. I'd say, who's your favorite artist? And, you know, I had an art, I did this, I call this sort of uh, uh, lawyer roulette or manager roulette. If somebody says it's, it's Jay-Z, you know, well, who's the manager? Uh, you know, Jay-Z self-managed. So that's probably a bad example. But if somebody was to say, um, E.R. Kells, you know, who we manage, you know, you, you track them down, aim, aim high, aim as high as possible, um, first and foremost. And you can track them down these days. You know, when I was coming up in the business, it was a, it was a lot harder to find people. Uh, now we have this uh, Google machine uh, that allows you to find people uh, and track them down and you, and you start there. Oh, that's awesome. Sorry, I'm just going to uh, lower my mic a bit. I've been told I'm a little hot. Um, so there we go, turning it down. So that actually brings up a great question because a friend of mine, uh, I was actually just listening to a talk earlier today by RBC and they were doing an RBC music thing. And there was a, a lovely lady from Remix and she was she just said, be bold um, and just calls people. It's easy to call people ready to, to ask uh, you questions. When if you're going to be doing that and going to say you're going to make that leap of faith and you're and so you pick an artist and you're like, OK, I, if we if we keep it with sort of the Arkells and somebody wants to reach out to Ashley and what are they what are they looking for or what are they hoping to um, get her attention? You know, um, you can you can find most people on Instagram uh, these days as well. So a lot of communication is happening that way. You know, I, ideally, and what typically happens is uh, managers are approaching you. So I don't know that uh, Ashley or the manager for 
Bruno Mars or anyone else is kind of out kind of scouring the landscape for artists that haven't um, achieved certain levels of success. Uh, so I would focus on that first and foremost. I mean, I guess I have skipped the whole part of this, which is write, <laughs> am write amazing songs. Yeah. Get the world to fall in love with them because then, then the managers appear and a lot of them appear uh, because they're all following the same data. They all have the same list. They're all looking at the same 100 to 200 acts that are happening. They all have the same relationships at SoundCloud or Spotify or wherever else uh, where they're getting tipped off about uh, things that are happening. So I would harvest there to start. And, and to the extent you start getting uh, uh, exciting data or exciting music or exciting reviews or things start to happen, you can track, you can track people down uh, on Instagram. And I would start with the data first and foremost, because that's what's going to get people's attention. You know, I put out a song yesterday, I put out a song yesterday and it already has 700,000 views on YouTube, what, you know, whatever that information is. They'll get to the creative and listen to the creative soon thereafter, but you, you start with some uh, information that kind of puts you out in front of the pack. Because these people are getting hit on uh, every day, multiple times. Awesome. So uh, before I head over to Matt and just kind of debrief with him, if I've now done that, so I've kind of gotten myself a little bit of a, a following, uh, whatever my local market is, I've gotten a couple songs going, um, you know, Spotify, there's some tunes going or however I've done it through TuneCore or whatnot. Um, and somebody like the amazing Matt Ma, you know, says, hey, listen, I, I saw what you're doing. I'm interested. Um, what is the information I'm trying to glean from him to understand whether or not the two of us would be a good fit? Uh, with, with managers, I like to look at other artists that they're managing. You know, that's a really good indicator of, um, of, of capability. Um, to, you know, recognize, I mean, people don't always end up with the manager that they start with. So it's great to aim high and try to get the manager for Taylor Swift or Celine Dion or whoever, whoever you're in love with. But sometimes it's great to start with a manager that just has a lot of passion and ambition uh, for what you're doing. And that is the story of the music business. Everyone starts out with a manager like that that's you know super eager well-spoken organized um perhaps willing to do a trial period uh to show you what they can do um those would be some of the things i'd be talking about i think in the first meeting who else do you work with perfect perfect yeah. well if you don't mind i'm going to keep you uh in in the wings now and i'm going to jump over to matt who is our manager on deck uh today and uh bring him in so matt ma thank you so much for um uh joining us uh matt is a chippewas of the thames first nation uh director and lead artist manager for red rising music uh you've been in the industry for over 10 plus years uh, locally trained, so went to the Harris Institute. Um, and uh, one of your big things is sort of the development and you know amplification of ind indigenous artists. Thanks for joining us. Um, I yeah, absolutely. Oh, no, <laughs> thanks for thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, hey, my I, my pleasure. And I think uh, you know um, I know you were listening earlier. This is this has been actually a really great journey for me, just because you know I've 
done what some of the kids have done. I've gone through the music schools and, you know, one of the things I think is kind of missing is just like, how do you make sense of everything you've done? Um, Absolutely. We, we were just chatting with Chris and um, Chris Taylor, obviously, you know, uh, and just from a standpoint of, you know, if I'm a little, if I'm artist, I'm a kid at the school and I've, you know, started my music career, however that looks. Um, and so I've, you know, I've started, one of the things we established is we've started our own, our own following, you know, maybe a bit of a, a cult following, if you will, we've got, uh, people who care about what we're doing locally. Um, we've now sort of like building up our numbers on our either SoundCloud or, um, you know, wherever we, we we're putting out the music, maybe it's Bandcamp, And then someone like you sort of stumbles across what's going on. Uh, and so one of the things, you know, I, I would sort of, if you gave me a call and I say to you, great, you know, who are you and what can you do for me? Like, why am I listening to you? Fair. I mean, that's a totally valid question. Who are you and why are you calling me? Um, so the, the way that I um, like to break down what a manager does, at its core, uh, the manager is the, the first line of defense between the artist and then the rest of the world and the rest of the industry. So I, as an artist manager with my, you know, my artist clients day to day, I act as the, um, basically like the, the, the first line of defense, the shield between the artist and, and the agent or the artist and the publicist or the artist and the record label or the artist and the, the, the audience. Um, so it's my job basically to, um, to inter, you know, interact with all of those different parties and conduct the artist's business on their behalf in the, in the rest of the music industry. So to, to engage the rest of the industry and do, um, do all of the business that I do day to day on behalf of the artist with the artist's best interest always in mind. Um, I'm the artist's uh, like first line of defense, but also the artists, um, biggest advocate, biggest fan, biggest supporter, biggest cheerleader. Um, I'm there to say no on behalf of the artist. If there's something that I think that is not in their best interest, you know, obviously always talking with the artist, but also being able to step out in front and be the bad guy and say no. Uh, but also I'm the guy who gets to say yes to all of the awesome stuff that, you know, I, I help bring to the artist. Uh, you know, working alongside an agent to bring, uh, you know, live performance opportunities to the artist, working alongside the publicist to make sure that the artist, uh, you know, the, the artist releases a song and we get, you know, we get that really awesome placement in the press that we're looking for. Or we get that news piece or we get that, uh, you know, get that shine wherever, wherever the publicist and the artist have identified that they, they want to go. So I wear... A lot of different hats depending on the day and depending on the artist and depending on the point in the artist's career um but yeah to, to sum it up first line of defense and biggest supporter of the artist and the rest of the world now so and that all sounds good um but if i'm coming to you and i look at you know who's who's on your roster uh 
And one of the things, you know, I think people are concerned about is, you know, are you going to really pay as much attention to me as the guy who's making you a little bit more, you know, uh, you know, a little bit more money, who's got a bit of a bigger name and how do, where do I fit into that ecosystem if I'm just starting off and trying to find my own way and maybe not uh, totally sure what, what to do. For sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chris just sort of, uh, you know, you made a really good point that it depends on on where the manager is at their career uh, as well, like depending on the size of the artist that they're working with. Um, so that's, I mean, that's a really good question that artists of any stage uh, need to be asking really early on in, in a conversation with the manager. Um, I also think that Chris mentioned something really, um, like really important about uh, the artist manager and the artist having an opportunity to maybe have a little bit of a, of a trial. If the manager is, you know, it sort of has to prove themselves as well. Um, it's always going to depend on, on the manager, um, individually, uh, you know, everyone sort of does their, their business their own way. Um, I can say though, from, from personal experience that working, you know, working with uh, maybe more developing or, or younger artists that have, you know, come to me with that question. And we've, you know, started a conversation about, you know, maybe working together and that that question's come up and said, like, you know, how, uh, how do I know that you're going to, you know, pay as much attention to me as this other person who's, you know, further along in their career or doing, you know, bigger things or just more active right now. Um, and the way that I tend to, um, you know, approach that, conversation is that most of the time if i'm entering into a you know a working relationship with with someone new as a manager um my preface is always to have have an agreement in place but that is essentially what chris mentioned earlier the the, the trial version um and I, I sort of liken it to dating before you get married instead of just getting married and saying we're going to be together forever yeah. let's you know let's you know we'll we'll do it we'll do it the right way and there'll be you know there'll be an agreement and everyone will have their terms and so everyone knows what they're responsible for or not responsible for um but the term isn't going to be forever and ever the term is going to be three months six months let's 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 date let's get to know one another and let's you know i love your music and you want to work with me but maybe we don't get along in the long run or maybe we do and it's perfect or maybe you say you're a really good communicator, but maybe you're not. Um, so that that likening of, of dating and that sort of like courtship period is really, really, uh, it's important for me um, because I think that it's important for the artist as well to be able to have that period to get to know someone and get comfortable with them. Because this, you know, it, it's at the end of the day, it, it's a relationship. It's a working relationship, but it's still a relationship. Uh, and it's a really intimate relationship because I want to be your biggest supporter and go out into the world and make sure that everyone knows who you are. But I got to like you first <laughs> as a person to be able to do that. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks so much for that. And so we're going to, I'm going to jump back to Chris because uh, we're going to bring you back anyways to kind of go a little deeper and find some other things, but I really appreciate that. And, um, and I know you have some more to say, so we're going to come back to that. Thanks, Chris. So that went well. And, um, you know, I really, I really liked the fact that, uh, you know, Matt just, 
you know, it was very clear that one of the things I truly believe is that, you know, relationships are key to like anything you want to do in life. And so I think it's important for people to know that sometimes even the best manager may not be best for you. And so that relationship piece um, is incredibly important. Uh, moving along, though, um, if we're now going to start thinking about an agent um, and that the difference between those roles and where because we know that for different artists, they don't necessarily there's not necessarily a uh, checklist in terms of when these people have to come into your career or come into your life. Um, but what are some of the things? And I know some, some of the answers are sort of similar in terms of already what you've been able to do on your own. Um, but what are some of the reasons why you would want to go to an agent and what are the things you'd kind of be looking for from them? Yeah, primarily on the agent side, you're looking for someone to find you live opportunities. So uh, playing shows and in an early part of your career, you know, that could be club shows at places like the the Horseshoe Tavern or the Lee's Palaces uh, of the world, or it could be finding opening slot opportunities. So you're the group that goes on before the big group and kind of opens the show. Uh, but that's primarily what agents are responsible for. Um, I, I agree with what Matt was saying. Managers, managers probably is the most important uh, player on an artist team. That's your most important decision because they are interacting with everybody on everything. There's no job description. And you say, well, what do you do? It's like you do everything. When, uh, when your artist calls, you help with almost everything. Um, and all the best managers in the world uh, work that way. On the agent side, it is primarily focused on live touring, uh, although they do work on things like uh, endorsements or sponsorships uh, and things like that as well. But the, the core is the, the live business. Perfect. Uh, and so we, uh, we've got Baldeep, um, who's uh, standing in the wings waiting for us. If I'm going to ask him, I think probably some of the questions are going to be similar. If I'm going to ask him, like, why am I going in that relationship? I know you mentioned earlier understanding who's on the manager's already roster. Are we thinking the same way with agents and who we want to approach um, that they wanted that they're maybe in the same genre or we want somebody who's got maybe a more collective um, group of uh, artists that they're working with? I, I think it's some similar uh, items that you would look at. Uh, what I would say in the, uh, in the agency field, uh, a lot of them are uh, housed in pretty reputable firms, you know, so there's very few uh, agents that you meet with. And Baldeep, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but, you know, you, you, you don't sort of meet uh, an agent who's like, hey, I'm going to be an agent. Let's, let's get together and do this together. It's like usually they're working somewhere. Uh, at a, uh, a, whether it's CAA or William Morris or DTA or APA, you know, there's, there's 10 reputable booking agents around the world, maybe a few more than that. Whereas on the manager side, you know, you do get a cross section of managers that are at larger firms and then managers who are doing it as a part time job who, you know, just they want to be a manager and they, they think it's pretty easy or something. Uh, <laughs> So there's, there's some safety in that, I think, in terms of uh, agents, you know, uh, I'm not saying this just that the agents are on the phone with us tonight, but most of the agents you'll run into are, are, are fairly uh, uh, reputable and with a staff complimentary roster. Because again, like I said, you want 
you want some opening gigs, you know, if you are a band that think you're the next Metallica, maybe it'd be great to be with the agent that is the agent for Metallica or bands that are in that sort of vein, that kind of uh, thing. I, I do think it's a it's a it's a personal relationship again, but not as personal as the management relationship. But I think it's a personal uh, relationship, and and some people like different agents for different you know characteristics, you know, depending on who they are and what they're looking for. Awesome. We're gonna uh, bring in Ball Deep Randoa, and um, we're gonna get some of his thoughts. I'm gonna uh, Ball Deep. Thanks for joining us. You're with agency. Um, this is uh, this is fun for us to do this. This is just again back to sort of the demystifying. What are all these roles? Who is um, you know spending time with us? I've said that I think that the relationship with the uh, with the agent and the artist is one of the most honest relationships because you know you do stuff for us and then and and that's what you uh kind of uh make your money off of as opposed to kind of just being there and taking stuff from everything else we do um tell me about some of the artists that you work with um how people come to you what um what is what is it that uh if you're starting out starting out um you know budding um artists in the industry what is something that would get your attention and what would make you want to work with someone Perfect. So yeah, I uh, so I've been with APA for uh, for about like three four years now. Before that, I had my own agency as well too. That uh, kind of like Chris was talking about. I I wanted to be an agent uh, and I wanted to get in there and I didn't want to start off as an assistant and I wanted to just do it. And so I, I started my own agency. But what happened was is as soon as I'd get an artist really big, a bigger agency would come in and steal them. So so I eventually like uh, got. Uh, my, my my company got bought out by APA and then I joined APA. So like over there, I work with artists, uh, like I work with the uh, genre, like multiple artists from different genres, but uh, uh, for instance, like Bryce Vine, uh, Young Dolph, I handle his Canadian business, uh, like Sean Hook, uh, uh, Just John, Hawaii Mighty, uh, Just Rain. I do a lot of his uh, uh, touring uh, comedy and help him a bit with his his acting side as well too. And, and, and many more, uh, artists so from folk to hip-hop and everything in between um and essentially like we we come on board in different stages of an artist's career so uh some artists i'm working with day one before they even have a manager and some i'm the last one to join the team once they're uh a larger success so essentially essentially it it, it varies per artist and for me when i'm looking at uh at an artist uh, i'm primarily focused on their their live touring so can they perform live, live or can they interact with an audience? Have they been on stage before? And are they are they gonna be around for a while? Because uh, like our job as a, as a music agent essentially is not necessarily to be an employment agent where we're a career agent. So we're here for the long-term. We don't, we don't make money off like one hit wonders who can tour once. Like we want them to have a lasting career for, for 20 years. Uh, because uh, an agent doesn't get paid unless you play shows. Uh, and we want to see the success for our artists. So uh, essentially, uh, I, if, if an artist really speaks to me uh, and I think they, they have that kind of it factor and they can connect to an audience is what really gets me excited and gets me on board. Awesome. So where have you, uh, where have you run into some of these artists? So from in terms of just kind of like that first introduction are you going out to shows are you heading to the horseshoe tavern and doing one of their you know uh hanging out one of their open mics or people sending you tapes 
um, you know, so much has changed just kind of dig- how the digital space has really uh, transformed the the atmosphere right now or the landscape, I should say. Um, how are you finding the newer artists? Yeah, so essentially, like uh, what we always say is like we'll find you. So we're we're constantly talking to everybody else in the in the industry. A lot of the times, like a PR person will will reach out, a management will reach out and be like, you have to check this person, or I'll, I'll get an email from a label. They'll be like, this artist is is popping right now. Come check it out. And that's that's how a lot of the artists kind of come to our table. But at the same time, is like every day I'm getting different emails from from newer artists, and I, I take the time to listen to every single one. I've definitely signed people from an email, uh, or for instance. Uh, uh, like I was emailing with this one artist who will not be named, but they had millions of streams and like, it looked like great business. And like, it, it, I thought it was going to be fantastic. So I went to see them live. Uh, and it was the worst show I've ever seen in my life. I lasted three songs and I walked out cause he had no idea how to perform on stage. So I went across the street, uh, to, to a, another, uh, another club that, uh, I knew someone else was, uh, was booking a show. And I ended up signing an artist there who I didn't expect to because she blew me away. Uh, and then it was like, I literally stopped, stopped talking to the guy and listened to her for four songs and then talked to her after and signed her. And now I've been working with her for, for a year and she's starting to do well. So it's like, like a lot, like a large part is talking to community, but like, I'm also like when Corona is not here is going to like five shows a week. I'm constantly at, at venues, constantly discovering, constantly reading blogs and, and seeing who's hit. Uh, but it's, there's, there's no, there's no exact science to it is what I would say, but like, it's, it, it's really just kind of going out there and, and, and exposing yourself to, to multiple different, uh, different artists and, and, and really, really trying to, trying to listen and, and see kind of what's, what's the next big artist. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's great to hear. Cause, uh, um, again, I think reinforces that sometimes we think there's a certain path that we have to go to kind of get to whoever it is but uh one of one of those things is kind of doing what you do doing it well and then uh you know being um uh, being available to kind of uh for people to see you like you wonderful so i'm gonna bring i'm gonna bring you back i'm gonna jump back to chris one last time um as we kind of dive down what the uh, lord path looks like and then we're gonna bring everybody together um to kind of go into how everyone has gotten into their role. So, um, Chris, thanks again for, uh, being here, sticking around. Um, uh, and you know, clearly you've enjoyed looking at me. Um, so that's, that's why you're still here. Uh, you have spent a lot of time, uh, or a big portion of your career, uh, amongst other things as, as a lawyer. Uh, and, um, you've been quite successful. Um, I, I would say that you're kind of, um, you know, at, well, probably still are kind of the it guy. Uh, you know, you've you've been at one point Drake's lawyer. You know, you've um, had had a really good um, you've had really good success with the artists you've worked with. Uh, I was watching best uh, past summer. I was watching a documentary, and you're probably going to hate me for saying this because I'm sure it's someone said it to you before. I was watching a documentary on Clive Davis, and I'm like, oh, that's Chris Taylor, but like Chris is cooler, you know, and, you know, just thinking about the path that, that that Clive's been on and just some of the work you've done and how important it has been to the uh, Canadian industry, not to dive into that. Cause that's not the conversation, but now if we're thinking about where a lawyer comes in and I think similar to a lot of these other roles, there's different places where these, um, these people come in, they come in and out or they're, you know, um, sometimes maybe the lawyer piece might be a bit more transactional. Maybe you just need them for, for, um, 
some contracts to be done, but then there's other pieces to it. Um, for you, what are some of the types of things that um, someone might need from a lawyer may go to them for, or if they're, if it's a journey that they're on with the lawyer, what, what are some of those reasons why they might um, uh, enlist somebody of those uh, talents and skills? Yeah, no, thanks, Thompson. And, and I think, you know, some of the same uh, questions that you might ask for the other uh, players would be similar here as well. I think having a, an impressive roster is an indicator, at least one indicator that you know what you're doing. Um, you, you know, so if, it, if, if, if someone is the lawyer for Drake, uh, he could work with any lawyer in the world. If he's working with someone, chances are that lawyer probably knows what they're doing. Um, then it comes down, it does come down to a personality um, uh, decision as well. People like to work with lawyers that they like to work with. Um, you want to know that they can uh, do the job. There's a lot of detailed work uh, with lawyering, as you can imagine. You're reading 100-page agreements, uh, making sure things aren't slipping by and all the T's are crossed uh, and the I's are dotted. Uh, I think lawyers can also play uh, a role in helping uh, assemble teams uh, for reporting artists. So uh, lawyers will often uh, provide introductions to managers or agents, uh, publishers, record companies, uh, different industry partners that you might be looking for. They can play a role uh, in that regard, in addition to doing the, uh, the hardcore sort of legal work, paperwork negotiating, drafting, and interpreting contracts all day, every day. There's also a bit of a matchmaker component uh, for uh, lawyers as well. I think that could be really helpful. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's something that actually I didn't uh, know was actually possible. I know that um, just kind of some of the exposure now that I've had to different um, entertainment lawyers, where I have artist friends who the only thing they actually have is a lawyer. Um, they don't have the agent or the manager. Um, and because that's kind of worked for them in terms of the the progression that they're on. And so it's uh, it's great to kind of hear that, that there is sort of this uh, other stream or other realm of, um, of work. And I think probably that goes to if they've been seeing all these agreements, they're probably seeing a lot of the same people. So they know who's good at their job, who isn't. Uh, we've got Laura um, who's with us. So I'm going to jump over to her and... Um, we're going to have a little chat about this and what uh, she does for artists. So Laura Wilson Lewis, uh, thanks for uh, being here. Uh, you have to get the guys at the, at the firm to update the website. Cause uh, you're, you're not there and that's, that's not good. Um, you were at a sort of, I would say a smaller, but mighty uh, firm and uh, the roster of artists who kind of associated are pretty impressive. I've loved the Christmas parties. Um, and I still do can't wait to get back there. I'm coming to you. Uh, you know, I've just kind of finished up or maybe I'm still at the Regent Park School of Music. Um, I've got a couple of songs, you know, maybe somebody placed my song somewhere and uh, maybe they didn't give me the credit for it. But I think that there's some talent and I, I want to take that further. And I think one of the steps I need to make is kind of sit in your office and have a chat with you. Um, what is maybe some of the guidance or what are some of the things you're going to be looking for to speak with me about or discover um, and get to understand a little better? Right. Thanks so much. First of all, thank you, Thompson, for having me. Um, so that's a really good question. 
when somebody comes into the office, it's really what are the opportunities that you are being presented with and what is your vision? Uh, the lawyer's job is to make sure that uh, all of the legalities, all of the, the, the path that they have to travel is as smooth as possible and they can do everything uh, in compliance, whatever that might mean for that particular agreement so that they can achieve their goal. So if they want to move forward and you know make sure that they are getting the credits, make sure that whatever is being synced, um, they wanna make sure that they're getting the funding for it, making uh, funding as in payment. Uh, they wanna make sure that uh, their name is being appropriately credited. I would go over the agreement with them to make sure that uh, what they are looking for is actually happening. And if it's not, figuring out how that can be possible. What are some examples of, you know, I came into your office, I have this agreement. I think it means one thing and you say that doesn't, yeah. that's not what's there at all. Right. Um, that does happen. Uh, and so uh, the lawyer's job is about communicating that to the client. Okay. This might not be what you think it is. Uh, this is what it is. When I read it, this is what my understanding of it is. Sometimes people have conversations with the person on the other side and they say, well, you know, they told me that it would be this, this, and that. But when I'm reading the agreement, the things that they have uh, said in that conversation is not reflected on paper. So it's just making sure that, you know, there is an understanding of what the agreement says. Um, sometimes those are hard conversations with the artist if they're expecting something different. Um, but that's what the lawyer's job is, is to make sure that before they sign the dotted line, they understand what it is that they're signing and, you know, identifying any opportunities for negotiation if what they actually have before them is not what they thought it would be. Cool. Um, and sort of last question before I bring everybody together, what is kind of the spectrum of uh, artists that you're using? And I use that term loosely. So I, I'm thinking anything from like, you know, um, sound designers to, you know, people who do soundtracks to actual performing artists. What's kind of that? What do you, what are the, what are maybe some of the roles not as obvious of um, people you're, you're interacting with? Mm -hmm. um, so the spectrum is really broad. It's everyone who you said and everyone in between uh, engineers, songwriters, uh, indie labels, bands, um, managers, artists, of course, uh, anyone who is um, in the infrastructure, in the ecosystem, uh, on, a, on an artist team or in the music industry in some way, um, they can come through our doors and we can help them. I'm, I'm interested in the uh, engineer part. What, what would an engineer come to you for? Uh, well, it, it depends. There might be uh, whatever, if there's an independent contract agreement, um, with a particular project, um, maybe they are being uh, asked to participate on a, you know, a full project with a bunch of folks. And, you know, if they are somebody who is more notable, do they get any splits or is it just a fee? Things like that. Cool. And so splits would be if, you know, somebody writes a song and they get a little bit of a little piece of that. Yep. So, I mean, not to go too deep into the technical publishing, all that kind of stuff, but just making sure that, uh, you know, if you did participate in some way um, that you are uh, getting getting a, a, a piece of the pie. Wonderful, wonderful. 
Uh, I'm going to bring everybody back just to um, just so we can kind of open it up a little bit. Um, just a reminder, if people have questions, they can put into the chat. Um, otherwise, when we get to sort of the question answer period, we'll go there. Um, I had a question in my mind and I lost that train of thought. So I'm going to wait for it. Wait, wait. OK, it's back. It's back there. The um, what's kind of cool about some of these roles, and if I think about just kind of my my path in music, and my parents thought it was great that I played the piano, but wanted me to do have nothing to do with the music industry, and so I feel like if they were sitting in and watching this talk, they'd be like, "Wow, see, there's a lawyer. You can be a lawyer and still do music." Uh, you know, uh, there's somebody who's gone to kind of business school or who's you know who's done. Um, they've gone and gotten a degree that actually meant something. Um, what I'm actually curious and, you know, I'm going to kind of go around, which is really uh, the part of kind of just, again, illuminating the different roles in the industry, where people fall in, how people are kind of, you know, have flirted with uh, different sides of, of that. Just understanding a little bit of what kind of got you to your position, what are the decisions that led to you? Baldeep, I'll start with you. What are kind of some of the decisions that led to you saying, you know what, I'd really like, I really want to be, you know, an, an agent. And um, uh, I think this is kind of the path for me. For sure. So uh, when I was in school, my degree is actually in human resources. Never took a music uh, or entertainment class in my life. Uh, but what happened was, is while I was in school, um, I started, like, I started getting involved uh, on campus with, by programming their events, programming their concerts. And, uh, and I was DJing on the side and just, immersed uh and that's what was bringing me joy uh and then what happened was is right before i graduated i got a really good high paying job at an hr firm and i lasted two months before i'm like i can't do this for the rest of my life i was like dealing with people's problems being very firm which is not necessarily me uh and i just i, I just i felt like something was missing and the music portion was, was really bringing me joy so at that time i, I accepted a different programming uh job in another college and then i started booking uh the burlington sound and music festival and then started slowly branching out on the promoter side but what always interested me was was the agent and representation aspect of it so it was like uh, i, I want to be there uh from kind of from the ground and like really really work for the artist because that's what was passionate for me and like like me being like a, a small brown kid from brantford uh looking at all the agents i didn't really see many people that look like me. And it was like, it was kind of more of a passion thing to be like, I, I want to get in there. I want to do this. And I want to work on some of the artists that aren't getting the representation, work on like the Bhangra artists that are coming from Brampton, work on some of like the, uh, the dance hall artists that people might not be focusing on and really start branching out. So that's why when you look at my roster, it's very diverse because it's like, that's what I was passionate about is helping those artists that didn't necessarily get the spotlight uh, and really like kind of, kind of run with that. So. Cool, cool. You know what I what I really like about that is that uh, just the uh, using what's around you. Sometimes we think we need to go somewhere else or or jump into a different area or a different community or something like that. And just being able to kind of use the the tools and resources around you to kind of move move forward. That's really great. Um, Laura, did you did you fall into um, law on the music side uh or was that all always a part of that trajectory was that what that what you were gunning for i fell into law on the music side i knew that i always wanted to be a lawyer um but i actually did my undergrad degree in physics and so i thought that i was going to 
be a patent lawyer did my undergrad in physics, master's in medical biophysics. And I was like, I'm going to law school. I'm going to do patents. Um, and I did. My story uh, at that point is very similar to both. Loved it. Uh, but then um, when it was time to write an exam, so you need to write a patent agent exam if you want to you know, uh, advance in that particular practice area, the pass rate for first time writers of that exam was 3%. And I said, oh no, <laughs> this is not gonna work for me. Um, and so I, uh, I, I had to pivot. I did all sorts of you know, lawyer jobs or law adjacent jobs. I was in-house counsel at a mid-sized organization, completely nothing to do with intellectual property, completely nothing to do with entertainment. Um, and I just felt like I needed a change. A friend of mine who is an artist manager for um, a, an artist in the city, um he uh was saying along the way because i went to high school with him i got into law school oh my gosh you're a lawyer can you look at this agreement no i cannot when i graduated you're a lawyer can you look at this no i cannot no i'm not when i was called to the bar he's like you're a lawyer can you look at this but i am a lawyer but i can't and then when it was time for me to when i was feeling like oh, i'm gonna you know make a switch he was like laura you're a lawyer now can you look at this and i'm like actually yes and then the rest was history. I, I left my job and I started my practice doing music law and it's just been going and growing and it's been amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Matt, I'll turn it over to you and get, get um, just a little brief, I guess, short story on what leads you to uh, being an artist manager. Yeah. Um, so I, as a kid, uh, was, you know, uh, lucky enough and privileged enough to have parents that saw value in a music education. I was playing piano from an early age. Uh, I was involved, really, really heavily involved in music at, uh, at my public high school. I, I was playing saxophone and I was singing in every choir that I could sing in. Uh, and at that point in my life, I thought that I wanted to go to post-secondary for, for music and for theater. Uh, and so I went to post secondary for for performance for for music and for theater, uh, and then quickly realized that I had absolutely no interest in being a performer. <laughs> I still loved music. I still loved theater. I loved that world, but I didn't love myself in that world. That wasn't really like the the, the fit for me. Um, and so I went. I moved back home, and I was like, I need to figure out what I want to do next. Uh, and I fell into managing a record store, which was like, at the time I was just like, this is exactly what I want to be doing. This is like exactly where I want to be. I get to put, you know, put, I get to play the music. I get to be the DJ in the store and put on all the coolest stuff that only I know about, but I get to introduce people to walk in the door and say, who's this? What's this? I get to introduce people to their, their next favorite band. Um, and I was like, I'd love to do that, but I don't think introducing people to their next favorite band or artist is a career. Uh, but then I, by coincidence, like pure coincidence, met someone working at that same record store who told me about, about Harris that you mentioned earlier. And up until that point, I had no idea that, you know, that the music industry was like a career option. I had no idea that you could go to school for the music industry. So I worked my butt off at that record store and I picked up all the extra hours that I could and I DJed a little bit and I booked shows um, at, a, at a local club 
uh, and saved all the money I could to move back to Toronto and go to Harris. And then I, uh, I, I went to Harris for the, the fastest year and a half of my life, uh, graduated and immediately started working two internships for free simultaneously, uh, five days a week. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just, just made it work as best I could. And in the time since I've graduated up until now, I have worked in concert promotion, festival booking, uh, artist management, label management, A&R, grant writing. And so I've gotten my feet wet in a bunch of different areas and sort of scratched all of those itches until up until recently that I realized, oh, I, I still love doing all of those things and I'd love to do them all simultaneously for people that I really believe in and really care about. Uh, why don't I be a manager? Awesome. Awesome. I think, you know, one of the things I think is, unique to the music industry and what it offers is this opportunity to kind of be an entrepreneur, stay within the industry and find the different roles um, and different kind of uh, jobs to kind of do and, you know, occupy your time. And I think at different points in your life, it'll require certain things um, and then require other things, which is a great segue uh, to Chris and just kind of, you know, part of what your journey has been, which is, I don't know. I don't actually want to speak to it because I think it's, I, I wouldn't do it any justice, but just knowing kind of the longevity that you've had in the industry, um, parts of where that has started, uh, where it's led and just kind of how you've transitioned from one place to another, different roles, how they've kind of come about. I'd love to hear your thoughts about, uh, cause clearly you didn't just uh, fall into the music industry. Um, but what was, what kind of led to you sort of doing the music, doing sort of law school, being a lawyer, you know, being the head of, you know, one of the you know biggest um, uh, music and entertainment companies in, in the world. Um, you know, if I, I, one, cause I think you're such an awesome person. So this people have to do their I own. I think you're thing. awesome too, Thompson. Thanks. But every, you know, this is one of those things that's going to live, live there. And then people can do their, their research and they'd be like, wow, that guy was on like, Oh man. But anyways, you know, I digress. Um, I'd love to hear from you about just what, um, just, you know, just your, your path a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I loved, uh, everybody's, uh, story, you know, Matt, uh, you know, in, in, in particular, I mean, I tell people, young people all the time, it's start now, work at a record store, work at a college radio station, volunteer for a local promoter, start, start now, start doing something related to the music business now, because it all, it all kind of heads in the right direction. And if you love what you're doing, I mean, I'm sitting here tonight listening to records, you know, still thinking it's like, this is my job. I cannot believe this. I'm, I'm listening to music. It's my job. It's just an incredible feeling. And I never, never take that for granted. Um, I started in Windsor. I always played in bands. I thought I wanted to go to law school and be the prime minister of Canada. And then I realized I had to learn French. And while I was in, I was always in bands in high school. I was always in bands in university. I was always in bands in law school. And I was in a band in the middle of law school. Um, when I realized it's like, wait a minute, there's like, there are like music lawyers. There's like people that do lawyering in the music world. Like, Maybe I could do that. But we started playing in the band. Actually, someone Stephanie uh, works with. Uh, Jack Ross was my agent um, back in the early 90s. Um, 
in law school, that band kind of took off. We were playing, we were playing at Lee's Palace. We were doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday night by the end of law school. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not writing, I'm not going, I'm not going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a rock star. Like, really, literally, like by the time law school finished, we got a van. We started touring all across Canada, you know, making no money really in the early days, but just because I loved it uh, so much. Um, we did a record deal in 94 all the way taking names and numbers right and because you couldn't google people back then google didn't exist uh, back in the early 90s so taking names taking numbers meeting people uh my manager at the time uh, is still one of my really good close friends chris smith uh who i know jazz knows uh as well um still somebody i work with still to this day jack ross is agent on the arcells and lights people that i still work with uh to this day so, you know, that those foundations, those relationships that you put in place, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago now, some of them are still, you know, people that I work with uh, every every day. Um, so, you know, coming to the end of the band, I always say, uh, uh, well, by the time I'm 30, if I'm not as big as Bono, I'm going to quit. Uh, and it was uh, three days before my 30th birthday, I had a huge argument with my band about something really stupid. I was like, that's it. I quit. I'm going to be 30 in three days. This is not working. I'm going to quit. I'm going to be a music lawyer. So I started, you know, building my practice. I was ready to start building the practice all by myself, sort of solo boutique and just kind of figure it out. And then I got a call from Paul Sanderson, who's actually the author of the book, Musicians at the Law in Canada. His firm represented my band when I was kind of coming up. So I moved him through that. Uh, and he gave me a desk and a phone and, you know, just said, have at it, you know, build a practice. And I was like, uh, Ball Deep was mentioning, I was, I was out at clubs six, seven nights a week, just like seeing bands, listening to CDs, like, just like building a practice. I really, I started uh, immediately going to the United States. I wanted to be the, the um, Canadian lawyer that could get you out of Canada and help find you record deals in America and have you know, global success. So I re that was really kind of, my, I think, my unique selling proposition, you know, so some old connections globally uh, that also had a good ear. Because back in that time, there was no, it wasn't a data-informed approach. You had 50 CDs on your desk, and I'd go in the office on a Saturday and just start, just start listening to them. Like Kelly Furtado, CDA's Grace, Billy Talent. Of 41, Sam Roberts, you pick the needles out of a haystack and then introduce it to people and try to get them record deals. Uh, and that's, that's, how I, that's how I built my practice. It was a lot of work. I, I worked insanely hard, but it was so much fun. It's still a ton of fun every day. Awesome. Awesome. That's great to hear. Um, we have a segment right now that you kind of really just touched on, um, which is sort of taking the learning forward. And so, you know, I'll steal your nuggets um, of work at the record store, you know, what you said, start now. Um, you know, Laura, if we go with you just in terms of if we're taking the learning forward for the students who are listening, you know, what's a, you know, what's a book, what's a movie, um, what's a piece of advice that you would um, give them? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a piece of advice that I would give would be uh, don't be afraid of doing something because of the time it's going to take to do it because the time is going to pass anyway. 
So whatever big dream you have, uh, that time is gonna, you're at, the time is either gonna pass while you're working towards it, or the time is gonna pass while you're running from it. Um, and you can get uh, encouragement from uh, anywhere, everywhere. Uh, one book that I like to refer to often is called The Tribe of Mentors. Um, and that's by um, Tim, Tim Ferriss. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's a collection of, you know, some of the, the brightest minds across all industries. Um, people who have, uh, you know, in front of us, it looks like they've achieved a lot of success, but there's a lot of steps that they have had to take to get there. And so just really humanizing the whole um, idea of what success means and, and realizing that, like, even if you have a bit of a stumbling block, you can turn around to use it, you know, uh, to as a stepping stone to, to get ahead and, and whatever it is that you're working for, just keep going and you'll get there. Wonderful. Uh, Matt, piece of advice, book, movie, saying? Uh, piece of advice is, is just to, I mean, you know, along the lines of what I did and, and what Chris sort of alluded to was just like, do, do something, get in, get involved with something, find your way into something, volunteer to, to, you know, uh, if just get your feet wet in whatever way that you can. And at the same time as, as you're doing that, don't like, it sounds really cliched, but don't don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to uh, to be curious about how stuff works. And like, really, you know, if you've got a question, find the answer. Uh, utilize the the people around you and the resources that are available to you. Sort of like, you know, you mentioned Thompson earlier. Just sort of like use use what you've got around you. You don't have to be over way over there to start. You can start where you are right now, um, like you yourself, Thompson, like the, the folks at the, the school, this, this ecosystem are a, a wealth of knowledge and, you know, a, a real incredible resource that, that everybody has, you know, available to them and, and accessible to them right now. So use what you've got in front of you and, and, and utilize who you've got around you and, uh, and just get started. Perfect. Uh, Baldeep, we'll end with you. Yeah, like similar to the kind of what like Matt just said and all that is, is literally start now. Uh, so when I realized that I wanted to be an agent, uh, I didn't have access to larger artists. Nobody, no, no larger artist with a name was going to sign with me. So what I started doing was my friends and bands. I was like, I'm like, I won't take any commission off you. I just want to, I want to learn. So I started booking all like my friends' bands tours. And then eventually they started giving me money because I was making them more money. Uh, but it was it really taught me a lot from the from the ground level. Uh, it was uh, like one of the artists I first started with who's still with me now is Fateh, uh, who's, uh, who's an East Indian uh, rapper. But I, it started with him showing me a mixtape in our college dorm. Uh, and and we and I just started like kind of helping him out and, and got him some shows and like, then when I actually had my my own agency came on board, and then when I joined APA, he followed me here as well too. And it's uh, it, it really started organically, and uh, and by by me working with those young bands and working with the scuzzy promoters and like the and the, the ones that I don't work with anymore, uh, I learned so much by failing, and then learned uh, how to how to really enhance the careers of of the artists I work with now just by like literally slumming it and, and starting from the bottom and and getting here now. So. Awesome. Thank you very much. 
Um, at this time, we're going to open up the floor to some questions uh, from the, a representative from the RPSM Youth Committee. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, the committee is um, a community-wide youth group of young leaders of high school age. They meet virtually every week at this time, Thursdays at 7 to 8 p.m., and engage in social activities, discussions, educational workshops like this one, and leadership development. Uh, if you're looking for more information or are interested in signing up uh, your child, feel free to email Jasper at studentdevelopment at rpsmmusic.org, uh, and uh, we'll put the email in the chat. Uh, at this point, we're going to have Sid. Uh, I'm going to ask you to unmute. You can ask the first question, and then that'll kick us off sort of our uh, question period. Um, my question is, are the people on your team from the same umbrella, or is it formed piece by piece from different organizations. Is there one format that's better than the others? I'll let you do it. Since you unmuted first, Matt, I'll let you take that. <laughs> there. Um, it's, I, I hate this because it's like the, the quintessential cop-out answer, but it depends. Um, <laughs> um, it depends also on, on what you mean by under, under the same umbrella. Uh, if we're talking about the the umbrella of of people throughout the industry that I've you know forged relationships with throughout my career and and have you know you know built working relationships and if those working relationships have ended I still have like a relationship with them and I know what's going on in, in their careers and vice versa and I've sort of like built up my own network and umbrella of people um, then absolutely uh, I'm you know. I'm always going to try to put to assemble a team of people who I know already get it when I'm, you know, working with 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 an artist, like folks that I know are going to be passionate and excited about what this artist is doing. And I don't have to, you know, bring someone on who doesn't doesn't know the artist, doesn't know me, doesn't know what we're trying to to build together. Um, and sort of like have to have to, you know, build that up from from the ground up. Um, but at the same time, if you if you don't have that umbrella, then you know you're you're definitely in a position of uh, having to sort of build a team piecemeal. Um, but I think once you you know once you get someone, the first member of your team, whether it be an agent, whether it be a you know a manager, a lawyer, if you've got a really really solid foundation with that person, and you trust them, and you know that they're doing really good work already. Um, then I feel like it's it's typically safe to say that like you can rely on them to start helping you build your team from under their umbrella because they've spent their career working alongside other people in the trenches and they you know they for forged those relationships um, and you know really worked to to maintain those relationships over time and I think that that's again it, it's you know it's an industry of relationships. Wonderful, Laura. I'll let you also answer that question. Um, remember, everyone, you can also put the, if you have questions and you're too shy, please put them in the chat. Um, I am going to borrow a part of Matt's response in that it depends. Um, you want to uh, have a team around you um, that will work for you. Um, you are working so hard to um, perfect your craft um to uh give that art to the world want to be surrounded with people who are going to 
have your best interest in mind and people who you're actually going to want to continue to work with. Um, it's going to be important that the people who you are working with, um, that you want to work with them, they're going to be looking out for you. And if you are building, you know, uh, a, a, a big team or a team with a few people on it, it's going to be important that they are going to be able to work well with each other. Um, this is a relationship industry um, and people, um, you know, they they want to to do their best, but people are people sometimes. So you have to make sure that uh, whatever combination of people you have from wherever it is that they may be from, if they are uh, working for you, that they can work together so that any of the um, things that may come up that are not going to advance you and your career, um, that people are uh, professional enough to put it aside and, and make sure that everything is about about you as the artist. Thompson, I think you are on mute. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you know, I'm a little embarrassed about that. Um, but it's got to happen every every one Zoom, right? Uh, someone's got to be. Uh, normally, I do that on purpose. This time, I didn't do it on purpose. Um, I was. Uh, I have a question about sort of the different um, roles. If you know somebody was going to say, you know, I really just want only one of you. I don't want. I don't want the rest. Um, one of the things I look. One of the ways I look at some of these roles is that the roles are needed whether or not you're hiring somebody to do them right and so what are some of the things that are i would not say to say easier because i don't want wouldn't want to dismiss any of the hard work that you guys put into it but what are some of the things if somebody's going to say i'm going to go with one um at the moment i can only really choose one of these roles what would they need to do to supplement what else um some of the other roles in terms of how they're looking at their career and where they're starting from uh, I didn't direct that at anybody, but I'll uh, I'll I'll direct that at you, Baldi. Give me the hard one, eh? Uh, <laughs> no, I'd say like it honestly kind of depends on on what what their focus is and what their strengths and weaknesses are. At the end of the day, uh, like an artist is the CEO of their own company. They're they're in charge of, uh, of of everything to do with their career. So it's it's really understanding their strengths and weaknesses. If they if they know a lot of venues and they can they can book maybe. Maybe they need more help on the management end to get to get all the uh, the other things in line. Um, like the, the good thing, like Matt touched on it earlier, is like a manager does do do a bit of everything. So so sometimes it's it's really good to have a manager on board first, and then they can help guide uh, to bring on the rest of the team. But it it really depends on the strengths of each artist. Uh, like I work with some artists who who are who are phenomenal on the artist end, but just like don't want to touch the business side. So they really rely on on like a PR person, a marketing agent and all that to really work together to to do it. Uh, but then I have other artists who, who are very capable, like um, like some of my favorite talks are, are with Max from, from the Arkells. Like Ashley's an incredible manager, but like Max is so intelligent that he like, he really helps offset and like, and, and it helps with, with more aspects than a lot of other artists do. So it really, really depends on on what they're comfortable with and who like uh and, and balancing the strengths and getting people on board to to really help where where your weaknesses are perfect yeah no chris you're perfect i was going to come to you anyways oh yeah i know i was just going to say yeah max max could be a great manager himself uh, if he ever wanted to go down that road really smart guy and i was i was just going to say i mean what baldy said as well it's you know sometimes i i think people People crave to have a manager too early sometimes just because they think it's kind of cool. It's like, 
talk to my manager. I'm, I'm too busy. But really, you can do a lot of stuff on your own, you know, uh, early days. I, I, I think it's harder to book shows on your own. I think you need someone uh, for that. And that probably early on, you're probably not doing a lot of legal work, but it, it's kind of good to have, I think, a lawyer in your corner if you can have someone there for matchmaking and stuff like that as well. So it's, it, it kind of goes back to that. It depends uh, kind of answer, but I think you can do a lot on your own uh, early days. There's uh, a lot of information online um, that you can harvest uh, to educate yourself on how things work. Wonderful. Um, I have a, a friend who has a saying, he says, you know, life moves at the speed of trust and, you know, something, a theme that kind of is reoccurring, um, amongst us is just kind of the relationships and uh, how important these relationships that you're having really, uh, support, uh, and sort of make a break of your career. Uh, just to kind of put the question out there, like what makes a successful relationship with either of the partners or just in terms of when you're working with people, what's really at the heart of kind of having something that would be meaningful and um, works for both parties. Uh, I'll, Laura, we'll start with you. Um, communication. Communication is so important. Um, it's really challenging to, uh, to move forward or to build that trust. Um, if folks are making assumptions or, um, you know, not being clear uh, on what it is that they need or what it is that they, um, what they want. Um, and that, that goes on both sides. So, you know, um, if a manager is, or not to single out the managers, if anyone on the team, um, <laughs> sorry, Matt, um, if anyone on the team um, is, uh, you know, maybe presenting themselves as somebody who can do something that's maybe outside of their, um, a bandwidth, bandwidth or level of understanding, then that's a you know, an issue of communication when the artist comes and says, oh, hey, person, you said that you could do this, I need you to do this. And then there's, you know, some waffling that happens or, you know, so it's important to, to be honest and have that open communication. And sometimes that communication is saying some challenging things, but with love. Uh, you need to have people on your team who can tell you no, um, and that uh, that will help to build trust as well. And saying no, but, or maybe no with a smile, um, helps to kind of improve that communication and build that trust so you know that that person is not just trying to shut you down, um, but to uh, to steer you or redirect you uh, in in a way that's going to, to be to your benefit. Awesome. Uh, Matt? I mean, I, I've pretty much got the, the, the same answer. Uh, it's hard to, to beat the power of communication at the, at the root of everything that we do. You know, it just comes back to the fact that it's a business of relationships. Um, I think from the artist management perspective, communication and transparency from the absolute get-go ensures like the, the health of a relationship long-term and that's, I mean, that's artist manager, but also like friendships, romantic relationships, any, any kind of, any kind of relationship. Right. Um, I think though specifically one thing that I, I, uh, an exercise basically that I go through with anyone 
that I'm remotely interested in working with in a, in a management capacity is to sit down, ideally face-to-face pre-COVID uh, and hopefully sooner rather than later post-COVID, um, but sit down face-to-face with like an hour blocked off and you know get, get a coffee, um, get a beer if you're of legal drinking age um, and sit down across from one another or as a group if you're if you're a band and establish in very very clear language what does success look like to you right now like what does what do you as an artist view what's your paint me a picture of what success looks like for you right now so that from day one from the jump we are all on the same page and working collectively towards the same goal so that I can do everything in my power to empower you as the artist and to build the team with that goal of success that you've clearly outlined for me uh, in the back of my mind at all times. That's, that's gonna inform everything that I do for you as a manager and every decision I make for you as your manager. Awesome. Uh, Baldeep, any uh, other thoughts? Anything to add? Uh, I would just echo everything they just said. Like it, it comes down, like definitely to communication, and yeah, I feel like I'm just going to repeat everything they just said. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah, Chris, actually, Chris, there was a question someone had asked uh, about the book you had re- mentioned. Um, I think it was uh, Sin. The uh... yeah, I see it's in the chat. Um, I think. Uh... Someone, uh, someone's put a link to it in the chat. That's a good starter book. There's also another book by uh, Donald Passman, which is everything you wanted to know about the music business, which is really the starter. That's where everybody starts when they want to learn about uh, music and the law and contracts and things like that. Great uh, introduction. Awesome. I'm going to ask if anyone has another question or i'm going to kick it to richard the director of uh, richard park school of music is there another question in the audience before we uh move on to some a few announcements well hearing none uh richard marcel i will um ask you to join hey thanks thompson uh want to thank you as our incredible moderator tonight it's it's just fun to watch you in action i'm pretty special right indeed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so thank you. I'll make it quick. I know it's it's been a long day for many. So um, uh, great to see you all here. Thanks for being a part of this. Um, some quick announcements. Our students who are in the room tonight, we are closed on um, Easter weekend, which is coming up. So no lessons April 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 5th. I uh, don't want you to be surprised on, on that weekend. We're, we're closed for those four days. A shout out to those in our audience tonight who took advantage of the RPSM meal deal. I saw that on our social media. For those that are unfamiliar with it, we have partnered with two local businesses, the Regent Park Catering Collective in Regent Park and the Devon Good Food Kitchen in Jane Finch. Uh, you can order food in advance to enjoy while we do these online events um, virtually uh, or at our virtual recital, which I'm going to talk about in a sec. So. If you're currently enjoying some good food from this discount deal, a shout out to you and know that you're supporting local business as well during this difficult time in our communities. So you could visit our social media channels for more info about that. And we're also going to drop that uh, flyer in the chat 
Speaking of our next virtual open mic, it's coming up next Wednesday night at 5 p.m. And I know some of our, our wonderful guests tonight spoke about going to open mics and checking out artists. So we have, we're going to be showcasing a lot of our young students that night. You're all welcome to join us. It's at 5 p.m. on Wednesday. And you can RSVP at rpmusic.org slash events. And you'll get the, the uh, exclusive Zoom link. We also have a podcast and it's called Every Little Voice. I would urge you to subscribe to it. You could search for it. It's on Community Music. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe and listen to it. In fact, last month's RPSM talk is already up there. In case you miss it, we repost these talks um, on the Every Little Voice podcast. And a special guest coming up on that podcast is going to be Thompson. So we're excited. I think you're up in May, Thompson. Uh, so the YouTube channel, subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's at Regent Park Music. We're always posting our prior events and performances there as well. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the same handle, at Regent Park Music. So you can RSVP for our next RPSM talk. It's happening on April the 29th at 7 p.m. Hope you're enjoying these talks. And um, thanks, everybody, for attending tonight. It's really encouraging to see you all out here with us. Thanks, Richard. Uh, appreciate that. Just want to say a big thank you. Thanks for the insights. Thanks for lending your time. Thanks for lending your expertise. This is a huge um, pleasure and really just something um, I'm incredibly proud of the uh, the direction of um, Richard Park School of Music and everything they've been doing, um, both in Regent Park, Jane and Finch, and across the city as they grow and as their mission really is to just um, spread the joy of music uh, all around the country and maybe the world who knows where they go so again thank you matt ma uh, for being on with us uh, laura wilson uh lewis thank you as well for being here baldeep randawa um chris taylor uh Giantson, thank you for everything you've done um not just being here but everything you do for the music industry um great to we're gonna hopefully have you guys at some point in time again next year as we kind of build this out um Jasper does show notes. So on the show notes, we'll make sure that the, um, you know, uh, all the social handles are there. Uh, please bug them. Um, be bold uh, as you look to do what you want to do next. A special thanks to Lucas, Simone and Charlotte from the Youth Committee for supporting this event. Uh, thanks to Stephanie Perificati and Jasper Gahunia um, for bringing this series to life behind the scenes. Uh, please check back with your YouTube channel as well uh, as every little voice, as Richard said, uh, podcast for RPSM talks recordings and make sure to RSVP for the next one happening April 29th at 7 p.m. I'm Thompson Egbegbo, and this concludes the session of RPSM talks um, or something to that effect. That was in brackets. I don't think I was supposed to say that, but whatever. I'm just reading. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>